I don't know about you, but I have so many gift cards. How many times have you gone to the store and forgotten that gift card that you got for your birthday? How great would it be to finally empty out your purse or wallet? Well, guess what? There's this thing called Gift Pocket. Gift Pocket is a free app that organizes all of your gift cards in one location. There's nothing worse than standing in the checkout line only to realize that you forgot your gift card at home, it's in last season's purse, or even in the car. Gift Pocket lets you upload any gift cards you have, buy them for yourself, or even send gift cards to your friends and family. And it's free. All you have to do is download the app, enter your information, and then clear out your purse. And that's not even the best part. When you download the Gift Pocket app and use the code EMMA, all caps, at sign up, Gift Pocket will donate $5 per download to Emma's Footprints. As soon as you're done listening to this podcast, go download Gift Pocket. You're listening to Confessions of a Grieving Mother by Emma's Footprints. Each week, we will be bringing you stories to give you a real look on what families go through after they experience a pregnancy or infant loss. Our goal is to help educate, support, and break the stigma around this topic. Be prepared for tears and laughter as we remember our babies. This is going to be real, raw, and vulnerable, so get your boots on. It's going to be messy. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Grieving Mother. And I'm Tracy, (laughs) Emma's mom. I know you wanted to say more. (laughs) I'm Julie Gus's mom. Okay, but we have a father on the phone with us. So hence that weird introduction. Pause, Um, pause, pause. Father. This is uh, Confessions of a Grieving Father. Um, And we have Ryan on the phone with us. Hi, Ryan. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks for calling in. Where are you calling in from? Calling in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The 412 or the 724. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually a 724. Yeah, I was in uh, Beaver County growing, so I kept that, that area code. Okay, yeah. we're in 412 we, land now. Yeah, we actually had your wife um, on our podcast. And she ha- it hasn't aired yet when we're recording this. It hasn't aired yet. But your wife is Nicole, who stalked us through Instagram and reached out and then generously offered your your voice yeah. on the podcast <laughs> absolutely yeah i know it's uh something that was just important for her you know support wise so you know obviously i was on board and you know we appreciate what you guys and your organization does for you know parents in our situation so any way that we can help give back and show support as well for others in our position you know we're we're definitely definitely on board with that it's awesome yeah and we're honored and humbled and it's that that's how we need to do this right and yeah as a society and community this is how we help each other so thanks for being on board with that and that this is our father's day episode even yeah. though we're recording a little bit earlier yeah and it is snowing outside <laughs> and eerie but um yeah you dads you grieve too and uh, your voice is just as important and your your mm-hmm. story is just as important so let's um i know you know Yes, we heard Nicole's story and how you met and stuff, but let's hear your version of um, when did you meet Nicole? Yes, yes. I guess I'll keep some of the things out of it, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> she wants to. But no, um, we actually, surprisingly enough, we met after a Steelers game through a mutual friend. So it was uh, kind of, you know, almost fate that we just met that day and I almost didn't go to the game. So 
uh, we met there. And Was it love at first after, sight for you? Did you know that's my wife? Yes, yeah, so I am going to share a line she said, and uh, hopefully she, she doesn't get too uh, <laughs> embarrassed of it. But, um, you know, through the course of meeting, uh, she dropped a, a line that said, you know, I just changed your life. Oh, and yes, she did. <laughs> at the time, I wasn't sure what that meant. But, wow, she, uh, she couldn't have hit that on the nail harder. Oh, I like her a little more. I like her confidence. <laughs> yes, she's bold. <laughs> so you meet and probably start dating. When do you get married? So we dated... I would say for about four and a half years, we got married actually during the pandemic. So we were scheduled to get married in June of 2020, but had to uh, adjust and, and be flexible. And we had to change our date, our venue, our list. So officially August of 2020, we were married. Wow. How did you pop the question? Yeah, so um, keeping it in Steelers theme, it was before a Steelers game on Mount Washington, and um, we went to, to dinner beforehand and then walked on to the Overlook, and so she was a little taken back because I wasn't at, you know, pushing to get to the tailgate early, but, um, you know, we uh, had some family and friends up there and surprised her wow. on Mount Washington before a Steelers game, and then we did go to the game, so kind of kept it right in, right in theme. Did the Steelers win that game? You know what? I think they did. Actually, no. They they like, lost. That's their actually target. a blur. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that so was the least important thing luck. of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So oh, they yeah, lost. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot! Whoops. That's funny. I love that. Okay. And then, uh, what did that? You guys? Did you talk about starting a family, or did it? You yeah, just that was that right was something in. that you know we did a really good job communicating through dating, just what was important for both of us, not just financially in life, but, uh, you know, early on, we both uh, wanted to have a family and I, I've always wanted to have a big family. And, you know, she warmed up to that idea. And I know that we were excited about it. And even before we um, got married, started the process of, of just trying um, to start our family, we, we knew that's what we wanted and didn't want to wait any longer. So yeah, that was, that happened pretty early on in dating and, and, um, you know, when we got married, we were already in that process of, of trying to start our family. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. So when did you, when did you get pregnant? So we got pregnant, uh, in, in 2021. So it took some time yeah. uh, for us to have it happen. I believe it was in April of 2021. So almost a year ago, um, yeah. at this point, and it was, a uh, ironic how we found out we were actually out to dinner and we were having a good time it was our first time out really since the pandemic hit just with the nature of what i do for a living and uh we were out and we were having a good time we were making friends with people around us and uh had to rush home and you know randomly she was upstairs and i hear her screaming and the first thought in my head was there's a snake in the toilet yeah. i don't know why that came <laughs> in my brain but uh that was the uh the first thing that came up so you know i went running upstairs not really knowing what i would do with a snake because i'm definitely afraid of those but uh <laughs> like, all right there. i'm i'm prepared right <laughs> got like a pot yeah, and pan yeah. and a broom and <laughs> i had my phone out was ready to risk it throw it at the snake wasn't really sure what impact was gonna happen but uh you know got up there and she was crying so that further solidified that it was a giant snake yes um, <laughs> bigger than you thought she told me to told me to go into the into our bathroom and you know i, I was You're petrified like, and this but, is uh, the time where the snake comes out yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm like what am i walking into but uh 
little did I know, I mean, completely caught me by surprise. And uh, it's just something I'll never forget that feeling, Aww. right? Like the proudest, happiest feeling. So, you I know, mean, your adrenaline is already she... rushing, right? right. Oh, you're going to battle this giant must, snake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I know she had like uh, you know six or seven different tests sitting out there, and they were uh, they were all uh, you know, all positive, all and positive. you know we both were excited, and you know hugging and and tears and just pure excitement, and uh, you know couldn't even waste any time. We called both our our mothers Aww. right then, and uh, you know just because it meant so much. So we were we were just completely complete, and it just to back up a little bit. Um, after we got married, Nicole lost her father um, during COVID, and you know, so it was just it was just a a, a exciting mm-hmm. time where, during a negative period. So it was just uh, meant that much more, and yeah, that's uh, the snake turned into yeah. <laughs> into a you know, pregnancy. As, and so I'm sure you called the doctor the next off you know day and started making appointments. Yeah, well, so Nicole, Nicole um, probably did that. She, she got right on it. You know, we, we had all that set up, I think, within the first week. Um, previously, I worked in women's health, so, you know, we had her on different prenatal vitamins and eating healthy beforehand and, you know, making sure she had enough DHA and, and the, the iron. So, you know, I was, I was ready to go when we got in, and um, she got those, those meetings set up pretty quickly. Okay, so what do you do? Um, currently I'm in sales and pharmaceuticals, so now I'm in the eye, eye space, so ophthalmology, but beforehand I sold prenatals and birth control mm, and different cool. iron products. Okay. So you knew you had some background in, yeah. Like yeah, you said, I felt bad for it. I was like, hey, don't that. eat that. Don't drink that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Take this prenatal vitamin. Yeah. <laughs> that is helpful because all that is yes. a learning process, yeah. especially the first time you're pregnant. You don't, you don't know any of these things. Yeah. So, oh, you guys are a good team. So, um, looking back, like, what did the pregnancy look like through your eyes? Just pure enjoyment. Um, you know, everything was, was excitement through our, our family, our friends, everyone knew how important, um, how much it meant to us that, you know, to finally get pregnant and start our family and, you know, get that process moving. And, uh, you know, the doctor appointments were, were cool. I, you know, myself, I was always like, very cautious, you know, a little mm-hmm. nervous with stuff. And, uh, and the whole time through our provider was telling us that everything was normal and Nicole was going through a normal pregnancy, you know, different things that may have rose were, were normal, nothing to worry about. So, you know, we had that confidence in the beginning and really through the middle, um, that things were smooth. So it was just, it just, you know, every day was, was exciting. I know that, uh, my highlight was coming home from work and then after I coached high school football and, you know, rushing to get out of there afterwards just to come home and, uh, you know, feel him kicking around a little bit in her stomach and talking to him. He would, you know, kick whenever he'd hear the voice. And just those little things were, mm-hmm. you know, indescribable how awesome that feeling was. And this is happening during COVID. So appointments, were you allowed in into the appointments? Fortunately, I was, okay. which was awesome. You know, I'll never forget when we went in, heard your heartbeat for the first time. Like I, I feel very fortunate that I was able to be there and especially now in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, you know, so being able to at least have those memories and those experiences together, you know, everything was just so positive with the pregnancy in that regard, being able to be there. And when you say like, you said going into appointments, sometimes you were a little anxious and stuff. Was that 
mainly because of the work that you used to be in. Were you educated like in pregnancies and maybe what could happen or have you personally experienced, um, you know, loss outside maybe your friends mm-hmm. and family's circle or. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, unfortunately we have experienced loss. Um, and then my previous life, you know, you learn a lot about signs that could lead to preeclampsia or other yeah. issues that may arise that are just warning signs to keep eyes on, whether it's just excessive weight gain or, mm-hmm. um, you know, different things. And, and Nicole had, you know, some stuff come up with just different rashes and, you know, she really is a, a little, you know, little person. So, yeah. um, when she put on some weight, we were, you know, concerned at first, but everything we were told was, was normal and okay. And, um, you know, so, so those, you know, but they're still in your mind. There's still things yeah. that, you know, you're concerned about. So I know I went in apprehensive a lot, but would leave feeling, feeling good, you know, yeah. as long as she was okay and she was happy and the provider was, you know, sharing the same sentiment, we, we felt pretty, pretty good. And so when did things start to not be good? Yeah. So again, she, she had a, she had an allergic rash or reaction pretty early on, but again, that was, you know, went away quick. We were in the hospital for, you know, a few hours or a night when that happened. And then, uh, come October, um, her blood pressure started going up a little bit, but it was nothing out of the, the realm of starting to get concerned. And we had, uh, the baby shower and around that time she was starting to to be a little uncomfortable and not really feeling him as much um so we started making appointments and you know they told us where the placenta was located it was normal not to feel as much movement and uh i think it was the week after the baby shower she really was having a hard time feeling him and made a phone call on, on sunday we didn't get a call back until like monday she was able to get in, uh, that provider, you know, said everything looked and sounded good. Um, but just precautionary, we, um, set up an ultrasound for the next day. So we were, you know, able to, to go and, and, and see him and he was practicing breathing. He was moving. He was 93rd percentile in, in size and, you know, he was active in the stomach. And during that time, she was still unable to to feel it right but having the visual and being able to see him and his heartbeat was normal and the mm-hmm. fluid around him was great um that, that gave us a lot of, of reassurance and comfort in that it's just the placement of the placenta mm-hmm. um so that was a tuesday and then you know we went on wednesday and thursday uh carving pumpkins carved him on you know um and getting all that stuff ready, putting things away in his room. I uh, was able to get all of his furniture set up and we decorated the room and had everything ready for him. And it was Friday and it was her normal appointment she had. And, um, you know, I remember her saying like, you don't need to come cause it was the same day as the game. And I was like, you know, Nicole, there's no chance I would miss this. You know, I want to be there. I want to hear his heartbeat. Cause it was exciting, right? That's the, yeah. You know, as a dad, we probably don't talk about it as much as, as we should, but, you know, the pregnancy, it's it's still enjoyable, it's fun, it's exciting on our end as well. So, we went, and uh, we were the last appointment of the day right before Halloween weekend, and, um, you know, we're sitting there, and the appointment was going normal, and Nicole said, you know, I really haven't felt him much, and 
you know, nothing. You look back at every little thing afterwards, but the provider seemed a little annoyed. And you know, last last uh, visit, you know, last appointment before a long holiday weekend, and you know, she gets the Doppler, and we're sitting there, and you know, I, I'm sitting there confident as ever because two days before we we seen them, and uh, right, everything looks know, great. Yeah, I can I can see her leg shaking, um, and nervous, and in her hand and her facial expression changes, and then we heard the you know, the words no one ever wants to hear. Um, and it was her saying that she couldn't hear a heartbeat, and you know, immediately everything just falls right, like your whole everything. But right from that point, I went into you know protection mode for Nicole. So I'm keeping her positive. The, the provider never really definitely gave us an answer that that it was definitely gone um the provider said that the machine was old and not very good and that ah. we need to to rush the to mcgee as soon as possible um so we at that point we still had hope uh, nicole had to use the restroom and i even asked like you know tell me what's going on and was told that it's not good that we need to get there as quick as possible but never told us a definite hmm. he's gone um so Sitting through Pittsburgh traffic, trying to get to the hospital was the longest, you know, drive ever. But we we had that hope that you know, the machine was bad, or he was just not in a good position, or they couldn't find it and it was still there. So we had that hope. Um, uh, we get to the the hospital and and you know we're expecting to get right in and then get hooked up to a machine, but we sat in the waiting room for over an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so that starts messing with your brain. You're, you don't know what's going on. You're, you're, you know, you want to get these answers. You want to hear your son and, and, and all, and see him. And, and they walked us through and I'll never forget. It was the weirdest walk through a, uh, a back room, through a courtyard into the ICU, um, which was very weird. Um, I know at the time, Nicole really wasn't thinking anything, but I was, in my brain, why are they taking us here for just getting an, an ultrasound to see right. him? Mm-hmm. And as soon as we entered the room, um, uh, sorry, saw a, uh, a pamphlet that uh, said what what to expect next, and my world crashed. Um, so started asking for you know what's going on. We were told we we're here for that, and that's uh, when they brought in um, the different tests in, and we we truly for the first time learned that Lewis was gone. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yeah. Emma's Footprints has paid for over 110 burials and cremations of babies and over 100 urns and headstones in 2021. Being able to take away the financial stress during a very difficult time for a family is only part of what we do. If our mission tugs at your heart, we encourage you to make a donation that will allow us to continue to serve families that have experienced a pregnancy or infant loss in this community. Head to our website at www.emmasfootprints.com and look for the donate tab at the top of the page. As always, thank you for your support and allowing Emma's to say yes to families grieving pregnancy and infant loss. So you you took the the random walk through the courtyard to the ICU into a room and you were told that there's no heartbeat. Can yeah. you can you remember can you bring yourself back, you know, from from the office you were in where they you were told the Doppler was old and maybe wasn't working to 
you know, the car ride to the hospital. Like as, can you speak, you know, as the husband and the father, we don't get to hear those feelings and, and those, um, you know, like what, what were you thinking? What were you feeling um, as yeah, yeah, dad I and mean, father? Uh, you know, internally was a complete tornado um, inside my, my brain. And, you know, all I want to do is just completely break down and, and, and lose control. But at the time on that drive, we, we, you know, we still had that hope. So myself, I always prided in, you know, the power of positivity. So, you know, and then at that point, my number one concern is keeping Nicole. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she was a wreck naturally. And I wish I could have been with her, but, you know, my goal was to keep her as calm as possible and to get us there. But inside I was, you know, a million miles a minute and just wanted to, to lose all control and, and, mm-hmm. you know, but just had to keep it together. And, uh, you know, I think that's just part of being a man and being a guy is, is we feel like that's our, our role during times of, of tragedy and, and heartache is just uh, to really keep it all together and, and, and be there for, for our loved ones. That's a really big responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of weight for you guys mm-hmm. to have on your shoulders. It is. It is. I think that, you know, personally, myself speaking, uh, I think I went through three phases mm-hmm. um, since the that time that we heard, um, you know, there is no heartbeat and he's gone. Uh, I went into, like, like I alluded to earlier, the protection mode, right? So I wanted to protect Nicole and, and, and do everything to make her okay. So that was that was that first phase, and that lasted a, a pretty long time. Um, I would say months after I was in protection mode, and then I went into angry mode. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're just angry at everything. You're angry at the provider um, for not telling you right away. You're angry at your previous appointments for feeling like an appointment time, not a patient, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that stuff all goes through your head, and and the what ifs, right? So and as a man and, and, you know, not being able to control what happened and protect your family, it eats at you. It, it, it absolutely gets to you. And, you know, I would, during the protection and the anger time, I, I kept things from Nicole. I didn't want her to know what my brain was going through, you know, what I was thinking. And then honestly, recently over Easter weekend, I finally hit the grieving mm-hmm. stage. So uh, we went to visit him at the, the funeral, or I'm sorry, the uh, um, cemetery, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, for the first time, just really, like, let myself be vulnerable around her. And, uh, yeah, for me, it was those three phases, and, and now they kind of ebb and flow, and I jump from one to the other, but um, initially, that's, that's kind of how that, that went through. And this was me. just this past Halloween. Yeah, right. it was. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we were, we had um, we recently, you know, moved, built a house in a new neighborhood and there was a lot of excitement around Halloween. We had, uh, you know, his pumpkin carved and we were having family over. And you we had a baby shower. Yeah. And you had, we had all the baby shower a couple weeks before. Yeah. So, you know, it was just pure excitement and, um, you know, just a really happy time for our entire family. Mm-hmm. Um, and just got completely shattered. Blindsided, yeah. Okay, we're going to come back to the emotional stuff, but I want to um, go to, so you were told there was no heartbeat. Yes. What what, uh, what information was given to you about your steps? What did, 
did you hear words that were being mm-hmm. said? Mm-hmm. Did you, you know, was it just like wah, wah, wah? Right. <laughs> Um, how did what did those next couple hours look like from your point of view? A blur. Still mm-hmm. looking back, I think the amazing thing of the body is uh, the capabilities of blocking out and blacking out mm-hmm. times of like severe um, anxiety, trauma, all those kind of things. But a few things that stuck out just were, were what happens next. Like what is what's Nicole have to do now? You know that was my concern. Like what's the thing that's going to be the easiest process for her? moving forward and I know that she initially just didn't have that mindset that she'd be able to deliver right that was something the the whole time through she was nervous about was the actual physical delivery so um, talking with our doctors it was you know that being induced and having the natural delivery of our stillborn child um, was the best thing for Nicole and, and her body and you know future hopes of of having a family so did you you know know, did you ask questions did is your background did it allow you to ask kind of i mean medical terms that's a whole different language like did you know what to ask or were you able to talk with the medical staff you know everything i learned i feel like went out the window Mm -hmm, and i felt i i i felt like a first grader in a master's degree course Mm -hmm. so you know a lot of times we'd have that slow down rewind walk back what's going on what's this going to be like and um you know although we had some some disappointments with previous providers the 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 doctor that delivered uh lewis and was there for us through the process i i can't speak highly enough of the way he handled the situation Um, a couple of the nurses that we had and, and even the anesthesi- anesthesiologist that came in and, uh, you know, we went to college together and oh, wow. just the empathy of the staff at that point. So once we finally found out, and I think after the first night, whenever it was a, a shift and we got the different doctor and a few different people for the first time in the pregnancy, we felt like, you know, she was finally being seen as Nicole and he was finally Lewis and we want to do what's best for you. Um, so yeah, but yeah, as far as questions, I was I, I couldn't think straight. Just wanted to make sure she'd be okay. So, um, and that's you know, like that's we're... really good to hear because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll you know you're already going through a traumatic time, and sometimes the trauma actually continues with the care that you receive, only to carry on into the next part of your grief. Like the you know, trauma. you already lost your baby. Now mm-hmm. you're dealing with you know people that aren't making time for you and sitting with you in your sadness. Um, so, you know, it's really nice to hear that you were treated, you know, that's what should happen. Yeah. That's what should happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, kind of to your point, even if you are well versed in this, in your day job, you still don't know what you're doing. Your mind. Yeah. Can't, you know, I like how you put it. You're like a first grader in a master's level Mm -hmm. class. You, you, you can't connect the dots and you're like dissociating from your body. So, you know, I, I feel like medical staff mm-hmm. need to be reminded of that mm-hmm. instead of like, oh, well, this guy should know what he's talking about. Right. Or, oh, he didn't ask the question, so maybe he didn't want to know. Well, no, you're. Yeah, you're in a different zone. You're in the fog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't comprehend and process. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So Lewis came out. And yeah. Happy. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, I, I was able to see him come out and mm-hmm. you know that's when 
whenever I was able to see the cord um, wrap pretty tight. And, you know, the, the again, the provider that delivered um, was like, Ryan, please look away. Um, he didn't want me to see our son like that. And, and we were nervous just to see Lewis at that point, too, because we didn't know what he would look like. So we asked if the nurse would uh, you know, clean him up before we got to see him. And, you know, fortunately, once they were able to get the cord, geez, untangled, um, just a beautiful, beautiful boy. Did, did Okay, so um, am I surprised? I don't know. I think that's nice. He said, look away. Mm-hmm. Did they ask you to cut the cord? Uh, yes, and I I didn't want to okay. at that point because of the situation. Right. Yeah, it's a so. tricky situation nobody talks about. Yeah. I haven't thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more just knowing that the cord w- was potentially what led to, yeah. um, you know, the passing of Lewis. It was just it was, at that moment, to be honest with you, it was it was too, too much, much for me. I uh, yeah. just had to hold on to Nicole and, and just be there for her and you know, let, let them handle that part and just really, really be next to her and and holding her at that point. And that just speaks to, we don't know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody really tells us how to handle our grief and in the moments and we just know, or we just do the best that we can. And so. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, they clean up Lewis. You you see him, and he's beautiful, and and you you spend time with him. How how what did that look like? How long did you get to spend with him, and the emotions of that? Yeah, so just to tie everything in, how crazy all of this was, and he was born at twelve. Well, you know, was delivered at twelve fifty on a Sunday before the Steelers and Browns game. Mm-hmm. So you know, right in line with everything else that Nicole and I in our past with engagements and, and, and meeting and you know so we cleaned up we got to have him for another day and a half got to hold him and wrapped him in a terrible towel and watched Aww. the, the Steelers, Steelers beat the Browns and you know I always had uh, things I wanted to teach him right about about being a man and looking people in their eye and saying yes and no and please and thank you and uh, you know how to treat people and so we're able to still spend that time with him and uh, and do that, you know, like play that father role. Yeah, it's really hard. And teach him how to throw a football. So <laughs> he got that. But uh, yeah, so we were able to have him for probably about two days, one night, two days. And then, um, you know, fortunately, organizations like Emma's Footprints, the amazing part there is just being able to be support and, and do things that we didn't know that we needed at the time. Um, but they're just memories and, and things that we hold so close to us um, to the day. And it's just, it's in the worst situation of your life. It's good to know that there's support and, and people that truly care and, and know what's going to be needed down the road. Um, so I just wanted to make sure I, uh, you know, shared our gratitude for, for that as well. That was sweet of you. Yeah. So they um, gave you our brochure at the hospital. Is that when you first found out about us? Yeah. I, I, I can't remember, to be honest with you, if it was the slap or if it was the, the bereavement dola or, or where it came across. And, and um, but yeah, it was while we were still in the hospital the, at first. And um, Did you yeah. reach out to our 
bat phone, we call it. <laughs> or ha- I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, that's a blur as well. Yeah. It's okay. That's common. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I we do that. get the the hospital staff will call, or yeah. the parents will call, or a grandparent. You yeah, know, um, anybody can call. Somebody did, okay. and I, I don't know who. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. And, and you know what? That was the one thing we were we were very fortunate. Um, again, through the darkest time, you know, there's just it was just so nice looking back at it to see how much support was really out there between our family helping and um, the local funeral home that we know and them being able to take care of and get him prepared and the cemetery. And then, you know, our relationship with the priest that married us, I was actually an altar boy with him growing up and he dropped everything to come in. And, you know, even though Lewis didn't need it, be able to baptize him in the, in the, in the hospital and, you know, be there for his, his burial, which, was a time I never thought would would mm-hmm. be something I'd have to go through, and you know, physically putting our son in, in you know his, his resting place was something that you know I never expected, and at that time didn't want anyone else to, to put him there. So, um, but just the support we had with that, and you know, all the different groups, it was. Uh, it's, you know, it's a terrible group to be, you know, an awful society to be a part of, but you just need so many wonderful people mm-hmm. that are going through things that you, you are going through, and you feel very fortunate to have that community. Yeah, I mean, and you need it. Yeah. You, you don't, uh, it eats you alive if you don't have that support community right around you. And and friends that get it, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, your friends and family that you have are, are fabulous, you know, but they just don't get it. And they're not going to unless they physically go through it. Right. So it is nice um, to to have a group of, of people that understand. It's like, oh, you're a lost parent. Cool, we're best friends now. Yep, great. <laughs> Just <laughs> you get me. It bonds you. But it's really unexplainable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it's eye opening too with your yeah. own your own circle, and, yeah. and you really get to learn a lot about people you thought you knew a lot about. And fortunately for us, the majority of it was was positive. So. Um, we're thankful for, for those that we have in our life, but, um, you know, I agree completely with what you said. Yeah. So you mentioned you're in the grieving season of this journey. What does that look like for you? How do you, as a dad grieve? Lewis? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I probably look like a crazy person driving around because anytime we see like a, a blue Jay or a Cardinal, I'm, I'm talking to him like he's oh. here and, uh, you know, like, bringing him different places. Um, but it's just really letting myself feel how I, I, I really feel. Um, and trying to open up more for N- Nicole. So she, she understands that she's not the only one that's feeling the way she feels, uh, which is difficult. It's really hard as a guy to, to show that side um, and share that when you're still, you know, you want to be protective and you are angry. And, and now like you finally feel comfortable and at a point where you can, just feel what you feel um it's it, it's it's you know even it's hard going back to work because yeah. you know obviously as a dad you're excited to, to have your first child with your wife and you're sharing that you know in my role with with the offices and the staff that I work with and you know you go back to work and it was every office every call is oh so how's the pregnancy how's the baby and then it's really tough right so now I have to 
make a choice on how I approach that situation. Mm-hmm. And you share the information and you feel guilty because people are sad for you and they're upset. And it's, uh, it's, it's like, really Oh, you've tough, upset but... them with your sad news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And it's, uh, but at the same time, it enabled myself to get comfortable talking about and talking about Lewis and, and sharing our memories with him. And, you know, honestly, that's an extension of our support is, is the offices asking how, mm-hmm. you know, everything's going with Nicole and, and even myself. Cause I think as guys, a, a lot of the time, you know, and I believe rightfully so we kind of get overlooked in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in my situation, I was completely okay with that. Um, but Nicole had a hard time with it. She always wanted to make sure people were caring about me and, and, and wondering how I was. And like, it just shows how strong of a, a person she is to be going through what she was going through and still worrying about, you know, how I am. Um, so, yeah. And where do you think you learned that you should talk about your son and that you are grieving too? Like, did you see that growing up? Was that modeled for you? Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, fortunately, I grew up in, in you know, a very loving family with, with parents that were they were there for anything, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, probably started with me just talking to my mom about it. And then, uh, you know, even talking to my dad, right? So he was, he's a military guy. And, um, you know, that you have that, that thought process, but just being able to, to be vulnerable and, and, mm-hmm. and have that love from your parents. And uh, honestly, like, you know, I have an older brother with Down syndrome and his perspective on life is, is unmatched. And, you know, just being able to, to talk with the family, that was the start of it. And then as crazy as it sounds, I feel like there would be sudden that would pop through and it would just be a way of honoring Louie, right? Would be, to talk about it, to mm-hmm. talk about the situation, to, you know, who knows, there might be someone else that's mm-hmm. going through a similar situation that is in my shoes as a guy and doesn't know what to do. Um, but yeah, it's just really started with, with the family and, and kind of stemmed off of that to feel good about talking about them. And that's so important. Mm-hmm. Like listeners, it's so important, right? I mean, kind of like you just said, you started with your mom and dad. If your mom and dad maybe weren't open to that yeah because it's so sad and it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable or you know maybe they had a loss a long time ago that they never discussed and it triggers something with them so they kind of shut that conversation down Mm -hmm. then as a lost mom or dad we learn oh this is it's too hard for people so I'm not gonna talk about it Mm -hmm. and so like as you wade into the waters a little bit and it's comfortable and it's welcoming okay well maybe I'll branch out to you yeah. know this person over here that you know it's like just let us talk about our baby yeah <laughs> just sit with well, us it's, it's hard i know that we we had people in our you know just in our circle that have had family members and and friends that have had loss and i didn't understand it and i didn't know how to how to be there for that mm-hmm. person right and again it, i don't know I, I would feel bad because friends would not really know how to handle it but some of the best friends just listened and and sometimes i think that's all it has to be is just be an open ear and and you don't have to have the right thing to say or do it's just being there and and being you know okay with just just hearing out um your friend or your family or whatever it might be yeah so important 
Yeah. Communication. Mm-hmm. We are so thankful for you two and yeah. for sharing your story. And, um, and Lewis. And Lewis. You called him Louis. Do you call him Louis? <laughs> like, is that? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was funny because I told Nicole, you know, like, you know, I'm going to call him Louis P the whole time because his middle name was Paul. Louis P. Like, We're not calling him Louis. We're not calling him Louis. And, uh, no, she's calling him Louie. Sorry, now, Nicole. So yeah. <laughs> she yeah, okay, she's on board now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's she's all about it now. So um, Louie P. That you know, sounds just, like a rapper or something. Yeah. I don't know. That, yeah, yeah. Hit a bright future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. He's doing big things. He is. He yeah. is. There's a. I mean, that's that's part of the cool things that we've came across since it happened. And you know, Nicole's been phenomenal. Just getting new and more resources and just ways of helping us grieve and. Uh, the one was, I, I don't even know the, I think it's like one last ride or something. And the group puts the name of people that you lose on a surfboard so they can have one last wave the ride Aww. in the ocean. So, you know, it's something cool. And her sister, you know, named star after them. So we have like little things that, you know, you can kind of hold on to. And, you know, we always talk about he's doing so much more and so much cooler than we are. So right. it's, uh, it, it brings you a little grin, some happiness during the grieving that you're going through definitely i love that keep leaning into that yeah that's i mean you're you're really fresh on the journey yeah yes so Uh, i know that well thank you listeners for tuning in um ryan thank you for being brave and bold and courageous and sharing louis p with us and hopefully you know some dads are listening or guys that know somebody that -hmm. can support you know a dad through a loss and this was helpful with tips and you know, I don't know, Ryan, are you willing to uh, talk to some dads? That <laughs> can be like a care team dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a million percent. You know, it's always if daily goals, if you can make one person's day better, you've accomplished your, your, your day. So if it's in this realm, I'm, you know, would be more than happy to be a support system for anyone that would need it. Well, dads, so if you're sweet. listening and you're like, hey, Ryan, you're a cool dude and I want to talk to you, we'll connect you. <laughs> yeah. Happy Father's Day to all the dads listening that have babies in heaven. Um, We celebrate you and honor you. You're, you know. We see you. Yeah. Happy Father's Day, Ryan. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of Confessions of a Grieving Mother slash Father. (laughs) See you next week.